My name is Deborah Levy. I'm reading from The Cost of Living. My mother taught me how to swim and she taught me how to row a boat. She was born in South Africa, grew up in the windy city of Port Elizabeth and longed for the sea every day in the four decades she lived in North London. In old age, my mother had found a swimming technique to totally give herself to the water. This involved floating on her back, emptying her thoughts and surrendering to the flow, she said. She showed me her trick in the murky swimming ponds on Hampstead Heath, floating Ophelia style with the ducks and weeds and leaves. I still try to do her trick but I can only float for 10 seconds before I start to sink. Likewise, when I turn my mind to my mother's death, I can only do so for 10 seconds before I start to sink. There is a photograph I've kept of my mother in her late 20s. She is sitting on a rock at a picnic with friends. Her hair is wet because she's just had a swim. There is a kind of introspection in her expression that I now relate to the very best of her. I can see that she is close to herself in this random moment. I'm not sure that I thought introspection was the best of her when I was a child and teenager. What do we need dreamy mothers for? We do not want mothers who gaze beyond us longing to be elsewhere. We need her to be of this world, lively, capable, entirely present to our needs. Did I mock the dreamer in my mother and then insult her for having no dreams? As the vintage story goes, it is the father who is the hero and the dreamer. He detaches himself from the pitiful needs of his women and children and strides out into the world to do his thing. He is expected to be himself. When he returns to the home that our mothers have made for us, he is either welcomed back into the fold or becomes a stranger who will eventually need us more than we need him. He tells us some of what he has seen in his world. We give him an edited version of the living we do every day. Our mothers live with us in this living and we blame her for everything because she is nearby. At the same time, we try not to collude with myths about her character and purpose in life. All the same, we need her to feel anxiety on our behalf. After all, our everyday living is full of anxiety. If we do not disclose our feelings to her, we mysteriously expect her to understand them anyway. And if she moves beyond us, comes close to being a self that is not at our service, she has transgressed from the mythic, 
primal task of being our protector and nurturer. Yet, if she comes too close, she suffocates us, infecting our fragile courage with her contagious anxiety. When our father does the things he needs to do in the world, we understand it is his due. If our mother does the things she needs to do in the world, we feel she has abandoned us. It is a miracle she survives our mixed messages written in society's most poisoned ink. It is enough to drive her mad. And here's a quote on this subject from Marguerite Duras, uh, her book translated as Practicalities. I believe that always, or almost always, in all childhoods and in all the lives that follow them, the mother represents madness. Our mothers always remain the strangest, craziest people we've ever met. I'm going to read an extract from Swimming Home and I'm going to just plunge straight in to Nina and her father. Nina is 14. Nina stared at her father's hair. He had actually brushed it for a change. She had to admit he was quite handsome, even though he was repulsive. He had made an effort to look good for Kitty, whatever he said. Did you like her poem? What was he supposed to say? Again, he did what he did best, which was to lie. I haven't read it yet. Nina punched his arm as hard as she could. <gasps> she was so nervous about you reading it, she nearly crashed the car with me in it. She practically drove us both over the mountains. She had to summon all her courage to see you. She was shaking. Oh, God. Joe blew out his cheeks. Why, oh, God, I thought you didn't believe in God. His daughter snarled and turned her back on him. He banged the table and it jumped. Don't ever get into a car with Kitty Finch again. Do you understand? Nina thought she sort of understood, but didn't really know what it was she'd agreed to understand. Was Kitty a bad driver or what? Her father looked furious. I can't stand the depressed. It's like a job. It's the only thing they work hard at. Oh, good. My depression is very well today. Oh, good. Today I have another mysterious symptom and I will have another one tomorrow. The depressed are full of hate and bile. And when they are not having panic attacks, they are writing poems. What do they want their poems to do? Their depression is the most vital thing about them. Their poems are always threats, threats. There is no sensation that is keener or more active than their pain. They give nothing back except their depression. It's just another utility like electricity and water and gas and democracy 
They could not survive without it. I think you get depressed, Dad, don't you? Thank you.